0: Hi there, this is Alvin and welcome to the Kickstart Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is Chad Burmeister, a longtime sales professional, podcaster and founder of Scalex.ai, a pipeline as a service that solves a sales pipeline problem by combining data, digital and dialing through artificial intelligence. Today, Chad and I discussed how mentors assisted in identifying Chad's fire-in-the-belly gifting for sales early in life. He also shares how previous sales experience across varying industries such as supply chain management, social recruiting, talent management, and a few others paved the way for founding scalex.ai. And last but not least, Chad reveals how virtual and remote selling early in his career served him well during COVID, having recently launched salesclass.ai, the first interactive community for empowering sales professionals. So with that, Chad, welcome, and thank you for making time to join us today. Man, great to be here. Thanks for having me, Alvin. Yeah, so to kick things off, Chad, briefly share at a high level with our listeners a bit about yourself, who you are, your personal professional background. Well, I've been selling for I have to add it up every
1: once in a while. At least twenty-five <laughs> years, maybe thirty by now. And if and if you add my, you know, before ten days when I sold suckers on the bus, then I guess maybe <laughs> even longer than that. Um, I've selling, always had a passion selling from for the selling. womb. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, but it wasn't always natural. I have to say, uh, you know, you have to go through different. Career paths and and you know navigate through life. You get to the end of the maze and you say, "Wait, there's a dead end," (laughs) and you run back (laughs) to this beginning and start all over again. But uh, yeah, I started in sales at a company called Olston Staffing Services in 2000. I guess sorry, 1995. I was going to (laughs) try to add ten years there, 1995, and that one didn't work out so well. I was there for less than a year, and I thought, "Is sales?" For me um and I wanted to write a book called is Sales for me and then I, I didn't end up writing it but um, <laughs> over the last 25, 30 years I've really spent a lot of time, energy, investment reading all the books I can read, having as many mentors as I can have and you know since then i've I've been Sales manager, senior manager, director, senior director, vice president, senior vice president. And now finally, 25, 30 years later, CEO of a company that's growing 100%
0: year over year. No looking back. That's awesome. Now, when you were growing up now, did you... You know, because some, for some people, they, you know, they see it very early in terms of signs of what their career is likely going to be like, like what types of things that you do growing up as a, you know, as a child, because for some people, it's a matter of, you know, hey, we knew he was going to be an entrepreneur because he was doing the lemon stand, lemonade stand, he was out, you know, mowing lawns, uh, just any little way to make money. That's how a given personality was doing it. And so did, did you have traits like that, that were kind of evident from the beginning? Yeah, mine was competitiveness, Um, (laughs) whether
1: it was playing ping pong with my dad or grandfather or brother or lacrosse. First year I picked up lacrosse was my senior year of high school, made the all-star team. And it was, it's just brute competitiveness, right? It didn't matter what it was. I just, I always wanted to be the best that I could. So, yeah, I I did know early on. And then I remember going to New Zealand when I was 19, 20 years old. I did a study abroad program and there was a marketing book and, you know, product price promotion distribution. And they call it the four Ps. I'm like, no, no, it's three Ps and a D. (laughs) I'm like, but who's, but who's tracking? (laughs) And so you get to the sales chapter and I had my yellow highlighter pen and I'm like, zoop, 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 zoop. I'm like, wait a second. The entire page is yellow. Mm-hmm. And and so every single trait that they outlined there from competitiveness down was exactly me. And that's when I said, "All right, I got it. I got to I got, it. I got it to go into sales." Now, my dad's a doctor, my brother's a doctor, and then my uncle and cousin were the sales guys of the family. Ah. So, you know, I did have a little bit of a path that was lit up from them, and they did very well with it. So, I knew I could be successful uh, because I had role models
0: showing me the path. Now, did you, did you attend, graduate from college?
1: Yeah, I went to Colorado State University. Then I moved to Arizona. And then after a couple of years in Arizona, I moved to, uh, <clears throat> this is funny for, for listeners that are of my age that's back when Alpine stereos were cool <laughs> and there were pullouts in your car. And one night I, I left it in my car and uh, someone walked off with it. <laughs> so, hey, they pulled
0: it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
1: don't know if they had a docking station for it at the time, but... They got the hardware. Uh, oh, so man. It's kind of funny. But um, yeah, then I moved to Southern Cal and worked for, uh, well, I worked for Airborne Express in Arizona first. Then I went to FedEx in Southern California um, and then did my master's program at, at Loyola Marymount University. And it was within five years of undergrad graduation. And so 10 of the 18 courses actually transferred. Which I had no idea that was actually possible. And luckily I made it under the wire so I could only go, I only had to go half time, which was kind of nice.
0: So, how did you get into the realm of, of tech?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting story because in my MBA at Loyola Marymount, I wrote a paper comparing Fortune 1000 traditional selling to tech sales. And so I literally interviewed, I grew up in a neighborhood in Colorado, that's pretty nice neighborhood. So, you know, one of the guys I caddied for was Dick McCormick, who was the former CEO of US West. And then Larry Mueller was a CEO of Ariba. So I got to call all these, all these behemoths and say, Hey, you know, I'm Chad, your old caddy. (laughs) Do you mind if I ask you some questions? And they're all retired by this point, right? And so I said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking at tech versus traditional, you know, what do you say? And I remember this, the Dick McCormick was actually traveling in Europe. So it must've been 2.00 AM his time. And, and yet he took my call, which was really nice of him. And I asked him questions. I said, you know, what do you think? He goes, well, let me tell you what I told my daughter. She <laughs> could have been a VP at us West. Cause she was making her way up and she, she'd make a good living. But she goes, he, he said, but she left and became a CEO of a tech company, and now she's worth multiple millions of dollars. So he said, Chad, it's actually more risky for you to stay in Fortune 1000 than it is to go into technology sales. Hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, cool, because I'm, I'm kind of conservative, but I'm also kind of a risk taker. And so I just needed that permission to take hey. a risk,
0: and he gave it to me. Wow. So with that newfound, I guess you'd say approval, um, and and actually, I, more than approval, it's likely a really a commissioning. You know, uh, of folks that that basically pointed you there. Then, kind of, what was that next step? How did you make the transition away from doing supply chain logistics? You know, with with FedEx, and then into the tech realm.
1: Yeah, super question. Um, I went into a parallel software industry, right? I didn't just go and say, "Oh, I'm going to sell." Uh, software that, you know, helps you paint a house, (laughs) I would have been like, wait, you don't know anything about painting houses. (laughs) And so I, I went into software that helps companies with their logistics. So I, you know, I had a good background where I could say, yeah, I've got multiple years at airborne, you know, multiple years at FedEx with multiple promotions. So I could go into a company and talk to them about their supply chain and say, oh, there's a software that'll help you with distribution management, warehouse management, Um, routing of trucks. So that was my first foray into it. And then I was actually poached to a competitor of that company uh, that was also in logistics. And that's where I got to work with one of my greatest mentors of all time, who's still on my board now, uh, Steve D'Angelo. And he had more than just transportation experience. That was actually kind of new for him. So now I got to learn from one of the best in the business, how to sell traditional software, you know, and he had my same ethical upbringing background and belief system. So I aligned really well with his ability to sell software where traditional enterprise software was not really aligned to ethics, if you will. Right, right. (laughs) But in today's
0: world, it is. And Steve helped me uh, align that. Now, how critical was it in terms of the early part of your career to have had mentorship? Yeah,
1: it's at, at the time I didn't, you know, I thought I was going it alone and it was brute strength and <laughs> hey, I'm competitive, you know, I got this. But looking back, I remember there was this one guy, Paul Regan, who's a technical, he looked like the comedian from Mork and Mindy. What was that guy's name?
0: <laughs> oh, uh, I, know, I know who you're talking about. You know, I can't think of his name. I am Mork um, from Mork. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So he looked just like him and he was hilarious. We'd go into a, check into a hotel and he'd, you know, talk to the clerk at the front and just have funny conversations. And, and he showed me how to organize your hard drive properly with folders, whether it's in outlook, whether it's in, in just folders, um, in your, in your desktop. And I was like, wow, you know, I had no idea how to do any of that. (laughs) So it turns out, you know, he was a good mentor of mine early. And then over time I I made it a point. And this was just two or three years ago. I actually made it a point to seek out mentors in areas where I had a weakness Mm. because people are willing to give, you know, my brother-in-law just called, he took his first management job yesterday. We, We spent an hour and a half on the phone. And I'm going through it and he's asking me, he had four core questions and I realized, whoa, I know the answers to all those questions and they're easy. (laughs) So, you know, people are willing to give of their time and talents and you just have to not be afraid to
0: ask. Gotcha. Now, what what was kind of your breakout moment in terms of when you realized like, Yeah, I was meant for sale. Like, what was that breakout moment? You know, was it the stop at Webex on 24 or?
1: No, the early one was Airborne Express, which was right after Olston, where I was fired. (laughs) So (laughs) I went from zero to hero, as they say, literally, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Um, I never thought I'd go into, I didn't know what unemployment was. And Olson, I had to go knock on that door and I'm like, what am I doing? I thought I was going to be an Uber successful guy. And then I go to airborne. Well, now I had the fire in my belly. The breakthrough was at airborne. Um, I, I partnered with this guy who showed me how to sell by the numbers because I was very good at math. So, I'm not like at least back in the day, I'm better at it now, but <laughs> in the day I wasn't good to, you know, sell you on emotion. I was really more of a numbers guy. So I I uncovered this opportunity at U-Haul. Come to find out they were spending a lot of money with USPS and they shipped 12,000 packages every single month to meet up with all the trucks that had expiring license plates. So they were sending out actual physical plates. And it was costing them $3 per letter. Now it might take five days to get there with the postal service. And by then the truck had gone. Right. So 10 to 20% of the time, the truck was gone or they had to keep it. And so I ran through this spreadsheet and said, All right, here's what I'm understanding. You're paying three bucks, but you're paying it twice, 20% of the time. So mm. that's six. So you just have to, I ran it all in a spreadsheet. And then, oh, what happens if. If someone gets pulled over with an expired tag, oh, that's a real pain. And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, tell me more. And they're like, yeah, the, sometimes a the police in the small town will actually make them bring a new U-Haul out and unload the entire load instead of just giving them a ticket and move it to another truck. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What happens <laughs> then? <laughs> and you just kept peeling. I learned all this in my selling school at two different companies you know even the one i was fired from now i'm like all right i got 6 weeks of training now i know how to do this and so i was just peeling back the pain chain but that was the first deal that ended up putting me to number 1 in the company and then i was like ah oh, got it okay you just have to you have to be smart about it and you you know i'm not selling sizzle i'm selling money and that's where it all flipped
0: for me and so then you worked your way through a number of different roles and industries right I mean, because yeah, yeah. you basically went from supply chain logistics. I mean, you you've spent time, what social recruiting, talent management, what yeah, else?
1: Web WebEx was the inflection point, um, the next big thing because then I leave I leave Descartes Systems Group, I go to uh one in between AMR research, and that they that helped me understand where to go and where not to go uh, <laughs> because How they so. analyze the markets, right? And they're like, don't go here. Uh, It's funny. I remember one one person was like, oh, yeah, CRM was hot for like three years, but don't go there. (laughs) Looking back, I'm like, yeah, well, Salesforce did pretty good through all of that. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that was bad advice at the time, but, you know, I was able to kind of pick and choose and collaboration was a pretty new thing with WebEx. And a friend of mine told me about it. He, he happened to go work there. A guy I worked with at airborne, his name was Chad. Also that taught me a lot, you know, how do you sell virtually and remotely? And so when this pandemic hit, you know, I've already got 10 10 to 15 years of selling this way. Right. And you know, the rest of the world has to get caught up in a short period of time. So it's been really, uh, that was really important experience. And then I did On24, I did Riverbed Technology. I've done three or four really, really great companies over the course of the last 15 years.
0: And so today, I mean, you're, you're the founder and CEO of Scalex.ai. Uh, and so, I mean, share a little bit about uh, Scalex and, and what you do and, and what it provides.
1: Yeah. I just did a, I did a podcast recently and when it, when it came out on the air, they did a really cool recap and it said, Hey, learn how you can do hundred hours of work in a week without working weekends and nights. And I oh, was that's like, awesome. Oh, yeah, that lands, you know, and that's, that is what AI can help you do. A lot of people think AI is impersonal. A lot of people think, Oh, I'm cheating. Well, you have a calculator, don't you? You have a telephone. You have email. So, you know, as things as AI continues to get, Smarter and smarter. What I look at it as is I can now clone myself to send out the emails. I can clone myself to send out LinkedIn messages. Um, I can actually talk to people on the phone more frequently because AI is helping me get conversations with people at scale. So Scalex provides, I call it the three Ds data, digital outreach, and a dialing technology all combined into one. And, you know, most companies that try to bring in those 3Ds, they're going to vendor one, vendor two, vendor three, maybe more than three. And, you know, and then it gets really hard to integrate. And what ScaleX has done is put it all under one roof to be able to provide the solution to the client.
0: Interesting. So then what, which one of your roles through you know, just throughout your journey, like what set you up? the most or, or the best in terms of what positions you well to actually launch into this, this uh, venture? Well,
1: without sales, you don't have a company. And, and so, you know, going at it for the very first quarter, when I sold $337,000 worth of stuff, it, it made it easy for me. I didn't have to go raise money and funding mm. and, you know, take risk with other people's money. And so it it created a cushion to where I said, okay, now I can buy the company, you know, me and the co-founder, a computer, you know, the highest grade Mac computer you can buy. So sales is really the key. Now, in the finance side, I've never been awesome at planning your spend and your expenses. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just the answer has always been, oh, shoot, I owe ten thousand dollars on that credit card. I guess it's time to sell more. And, and you can't really take that skill into being a CEO. You have to look yourself in the mirror. And TK Cater, the former CEO of ToutApp, helped me through that when he sent me the easy button. So now I have it on my desk. And he said, Chad, you're a good math guy. You're smart. I've met you many times. You know what you're doing. Just, you just have to do it. And I was like, oh. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I guess I guess you're right, you know. And now looking at it in the balance sheet, and profit and loss, and it, it, you know, you you do know if it's just like calories, right? right. If you if you burn two thousand four hundred and you take in two thousand, well, four hundred times four, that's sixteen hundred. Every four days, you're gonna lose a pound, right? And it's the same kind of math when it comes to revenue and costs, so. All of the line items you could let confuse you in the profit and loss statement, but it turns out if you just drill them down and you go, oh, okay, so you're telling me there's the revenue, there's my cogs, that's the cost of goods, right. and there's my expenses, meaning sales, marketing, advertising, et cetera, and then the rest is the profit. Yep, that's pretty easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so spend less than you make. But it, it's important to surround yourself with people Who can help you fill those gaps? You don't have to be an expert at it out of the gate, but sales, I think, really, really was key for me to be able to launch a company and successfully run it.
0: Again, in terms of of artificial intelligence. And so obviously it it is a white hot market um, or industry right now. And so what went through your mind? When was the moment that you said, aha, that that, there's where I want to go? I want to go into this. Like what did research leads you into this or what really led into this? Yeah. I call it primary research because it was my
1: ring central position. I'd been running quota carrying sales teams and I, you know, I didn't really want to relinquish that because now I'm on the revenue side of the coin. Correct. And you know, why would I want to go run a team of quote unquote admins? And I moved to ring central and took on the SDR BDR team. Well, that's harder to measure revenue with. Right. It's pipeline, it's MQL, the SQL conversion rates. And so I went in and, and I did my normal thing within the first 90 days. I moved the conversion rate of their leads from 8% to 18%. How so? And I was like, man, this is great because guess what? That means we're going to more than double revenues, like one and a half. Uh, you know 150 200% more but i realized very quickly that well that department is looked at as a administrative role oh yeah those are leads the company already paid for them you're just making them a little more efficient and i was like wait a minute i only got to send one person out of my entire 50 people at the time then we then we grew to 100 then they said okay now you can send two well the quota carrying team could send one out of 10 reps to president's club wow i'm like Hold on. Like these guys are busting <laughs> their butt. Some people are at a thousand dials a day using technology. I don't understand. Just because someone else is doing so, you know, just, it just I just I couldn't get my arms around it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I just I did blew my mind. And so we changed that over time, right? I I crashed some gongs and cymbals and said, Hey, we gotta we gotta have more than one or two people for an entire department of a hundred. But what I learned there in running that department is that. A lot of what the reps did nowadays, they've figured out how to get efficient and, and smart with, oh, I'll just push this one button and 50 emails go out. And, and they tend to stray away from the hard work, which is actually having empathy-based conversations on the telephone hmm. because it's easier to just push the send all button. Right. 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 And so what I what I discovered is, you know what, we as humans, we're going to always tend towards the laziest thing we can do. (laughs) And so I said, you know, I'm going to build AI and software that can actually solve for those monotonous, low value added tasks. And then I'd rather have my team actually selling on the phone. So I, I recognized it. And that was honestly my purpose of going there was to figure out what does the SDR, BDR department need in today's world to make them more efficient. And then that's what I found out is that AI could actually handle 70 to 80% of the work they do. And by the way, do it better than, than they would do it otherwise. And let's put the human on what the human does well, which is having sales conversations and not pulling data and sending email
0: blasts. Doesn't make sense. Ah, so, and so, so it's really not that you eliminated work per se, because you're, it's not like, you know, I just hit the on button and just kick back and relax. I'm still working, but it's more of a focused effort. Yeah, it's still the
1: same size or bigger sales team. They're just able to cover more ground. So you, you know, I went to AI conferences for much of 2018 and 19, like Mm. six or eight of them unrelated to sales. And there would be speakers on the main stage, including that robot, the first citizen of America. That's a robot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, <laughs> "Wait, I'm, I was twenty feet away from this person with no legs." <laughs> <You know? laughs> Not person, sorry, robot. With no legs, <laughs> they had to pick her up, and you know, and then she could talk to people. It was really weird, but um, yeah, seeing that was. Um, at, at those events, there would be a speaker, one, one really stuck out and he showed the productivity and the job. So he showed, you know, here's the growth of jobs and it's kind of up and to the right. And then it starts to taper off and then it shows revenue per head. And the line in the sand starts to graduate to a level where you're like, wait a minute, you're telling me you need far fewer people to deliver far greater amounts of revenue. Hmm. So If you think about what does that mean for the world? And you say, you know, at one point, God put it on my mind. Wouldn't it be neat to solve world hunger? And I was like, wait a minute. As I start attending some of these conferences and seeing these smart speakers, you're like, wait a second. You can do so much with so little now. There's probably a time that actually you can make those kinds of moves. And, I'm like, and seeing what's going on in 2020, I'm like, you know, I'll bet you there's some big, big scheme going on that's way above our pay grade that actually might help solve that problem. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to have faith in God that uh, that that's what's actually going on under the hood here. But we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> exactly. So then so you launched Scalex. Like, how did you come up with the name? Uh, that's funny. It's a good story. I bought scale.ai
1: without the X and I bought it twice and it's like 200 (laughs) bucks for a dot AI. Wait, wait, how'd you buy it twice? Because the first company said, Oh yeah, it's not available. And then, and I'm like, no, it is. I just bought it from you and you (laughs) paid, I paid you money. (laughs) And then I went to another company scale AI bought it again. They're like, Oh, sorry. It's not actually available. We did, you know, I think it was probably an automated system. It probably was available. And then it got to a human that needed to say, huh, why would we let this really neat URL go for $200? <laughs> <laughs> and so finally, I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'd already got my logo. And, and so I, you know, I, I was like, all right, I worked for FedEx. I worked for WebEx. I guess I got to create
0: SkillX. <laughs> That's how I added the X. Interesting, interesting. And then how did you like how did you find out about dot AI? I mean, obviously you were at that moment in time, you know, likely scouring the the world in terms of artificial intelligence. So AI was kind of already there in your, you know, in, in the nomenclature that, that you were accustomed to. But did you realize that there was an extension for it or no? Yeah,
1: that well, what what you know, if I were to go to scalex.com, it's already taken. So when you go into One and One or GoDaddy or whatever site you're buying your domain from, it'll often say, "Oh, we've got .io, .gov, .co," and I and that's when I kind of realized, "Oh, wait, there's this .ai." It turns out .ai stands for some foreign country. It's not really artificial intelligence. Yeah. It's like Anguilla.
0: I, I, I believe think it's Anguilla. It's like a, I've always thought, it, yeah, it's Anguilla. Yeah, I, th- You're exactly I think it's right. Anguilla, um, yeah. which it, which is interesting because a lot of times country uh, country code top level domains or CCTLDs, as most of the listeners, uh, domain investors likely know it to be, um, are repurposed. Um, and in this case, obviously .ai is being repurposed and, and it seems like more and more companies uh, like yourself are, are you know, shifting away from the dot-com into the, you know, dot AI. So yeah, now yeah. I
1: still have a dot-com. It's kind of funny on certain sites. When you go to subscribe, just like Yahoo or Google, they kind of, you know, they look at that as a personal. And so they, they uh, block it. Every one in 50 or something, I'll go in and I'll say scale X dot AI and the subscription site says, please enter a valid URL. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's mine. That is valid. Uh, so we own ScalexAI.com
0: as well. Ah, ah. And now, how long did it take? Did you purchase both of those at the same time, or was there a bit of lag? Time no, there was a the lag.
1: Time. We got the AI.com one about a year or two later. Funny enough.
0: Ah. And what? And what made you go after it?
1: Well, it. We were actually going to set up a Gmail account for some of our customer campaigns, and our own internal campaigns. So when we moved rather than moving our entire scalex.ai over from outlook to gmail i decided you know what let's just have both um, mm. that's how we opened the second one
0: interesting so you have scalex.ai now you also i guess you just launched uh this year what was it salesclass.ai yeah that was a fun launch
1: that was definitely came out of the out of the lockdown era uh, which hopefully knock on wood will be coming out of at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so um, what, yeah. so what made you actually do that? You know, right. I mean, right in the throes of, of COVID. Well, if remember my first job, I was let go from. So
1: now that I'm in a position where I've got a CRO, I have a sales team and I'm doing mm-hmm. more of the marketing and CEO leading activities, I've got a little more bandwidth to do mm-hmm. other things. So this was an opportunity to pull together sales content, sales training for the masses. Um, And what's neat is we originally were selling it for $10 a month access. At some point during the lockdown, we said, you know, what if we just made it free for anyone who wants to log in and register? And then we, you know, we have some small sponsor packages for the... Uh, speakers who want to do webinars through us and everything. So we shifted the model to where, you know, if you want to access the 2,500 on-demand videos and the dozens of live trainings we have every month, you just log in, sign up for an account and you can have unlimited access forever.
0: And what types of, what types of trainings, uh, you know, are we, are we talking about in terms of, I mean, is it all sales focused? I'm assuming that it is.
1: Um, Mainly, however, there's some mindset classes in there. On you know because if you don't have the right mindset, especially in today's world, you're going to get trampled. Right. So you got to have a good mindset. There's management classes, leadership, uh, negotiations. So it's it definitely sways toward sales. So if you are a marketer, I, you might get twenty percent of the value. Mm. But uh, from a sales perspective, whether you're an entry level, mid level, or senior leader, you can get value out of sales class.
0: Gotcha. I ask that because in terms of some of the listeners being domain investors, domain brokers, uh, developers and the like, and especially with the investors and the brokers there, you know, it, like in any business and like you gave with the uh, the calories there, it, it's one of those things of, hey, you can't really spend all your time just buying um, and it, or if you do, you better be buying top shelf things that are going to be able to be turned, flipped for revenue. yeah. And so it's, it's one of the things I look at and say, you know, like you said, sales is a, it's a mindset like you've got to, uh, it's not going to, it's not going to do itself. So you've got to basically get up and grind pretty much every day or learn rather what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, work in those areas of strength and then get coverage for the areas of weakness. Um, And so likely is the case, uh, you know, does that sales class uh, AI provide something like that for domain investors, brokers or just sales in general?
1: Yeah, for sure. I would definitely say check it out. It's it's no cost. So what's neat about it, it is powered by AI. So you go in and it's going to ask you on a scale of one to 10 in negotiations, let's say, how are you feeling? And it's for this week. So you say, you know what? I'm a two this week. Then it'll say first for leadership, one to 10. You could say, I'm a 10. I'm already a leader. I'm good. So depending on how you answer those eight or nine questions on the sliding scale, it serves up the podcast, the webinars, the live, everything gets served up based on how you answer it. So it's truly a Netflix for sales content model and anything that's not relevant for you based on how you answer those questions, you know, those won't get served up. To you, so it's a pretty neat little app, and yeah, I think it'd be valuable for any of your listeners.
0: Interesting. Then, in terms of of Scalex, like, what's your vision for Scalex?
1: Well, we just rolled up our first technology company that we acquired about a week and a half ago, and it's AI for account-based selling. So we plan to do a lot more of that Um, as we continue to double every year. You know, you you build a market cap you've got a clean set of sellers. I've got a CRO in place. We've got CRM. Like, I feel like we're Remax, if you will. Right. And I suspect when Remax started, uh, the son went to my school. In fact, uh, Chuck Linegar was in my grade and his dad, I think Dave Linegar, uh, you know, did very well. And Chuck ended up being a pilot and moved to Memphis, I think is where he was last I heard. But, you know, REMAX came out and they, I'm sure they acquired a handful of companies early on. And now they're very well known, probably the biggest in the world. So I think we can do something similar. You know, you go find a certain technology, you sell it under a white label. And after, after you say, huh, you know, this one company, we sold 250,000 in sales of their product. They sold 50. And we said, huh, we sold five times more than them. So why shouldn't we just roll the company into our company? Mm. And and that's what we did and I think we'll be able to do that over and over again until we're a, uh, you know, self so may I mean why not be a 100 million dollar company? That's
0: right. A- right. So then, you know, for so for some of the listeners that may not kind of graphs, I guess, in terms of what Scalex uh, does. So kind of walk us through an example of if if Alvin Brown were to go and um, in, in, enter into a relationship with Scalex, like what does that look like in terms of me? It, let's just say if I'm trying to reach, um, you know, Fortune 1000, Fortune 100 companies uh, in terms of trying to sell domains, what, could that look like using Scalex?
1: Yeah, the, the, the core product is called Scalex Social Selling Platform. And what you do is go in and you, you buy a navigator seat, a LinkedIn navigator seat. And then our team helps you build out an advanced search to find the right companies. Now, you may already have that skill set. And so, you know, you could either leverage our team or do it yourself. Our platform allows for full service or self-service. And so you build this navigator search. Well, now you copy that search algorithm into our app. Then our application pulls in all of those contact records up to 2,500 at a time. And then you create a series of messages through our application that will be sent as you, uh, or I've even done virtual assistants. So you could say, you know, Alyssa Brown is, is my virtual assistant. So Alyssa sends out notes on my behalf to these top execs. Hey, Alvin asked me to reach out to you. Looks like you, you know, you're the CEO and founder of company ABC. Um, you know, and then you could actually there's mail merge tags so you could say we own the uh, you know, I thought you might be interested in scalexai.com because I see you own scalex.ai. And so you could automate those messages as long as you've got a table, like an Excel table, that shows here's the company name and then here's the matching domain that we've owned. Um, if you're only selling, you know, five or ten of them, no problem. Copy, paste, send the email. But if you're doing this at scale, then, you know, you could reach out through automation on LinkedIn and just sell a heck of a lot more than you could otherwise. So that's, that's kind of the core product. It's 500 bucks a month for a user. Um, You know, you'll get much more than 500 out of it. The company we bought is much more AI centric. And so in that case, you say, look, these are the 500 companies, HP, IBM, maybe it's the biggest companies in the world. If I could just get into those, I'd be set. Well, instead of going direct to the decision maker, they're getting hammered every day by email, social, phone calls, et cetera. Right. In that case, we tell you who the influencers are in your network, first and second. So, for every first you've got, for every thousand first connections, you have you have a million second connections. Our AI within ten minutes will go in and tell you: here's the five hundred people that you know or that are your second connections who could get you a meeting with the with the VP of, of HP, for example. And then we email those influencers and say, "Hey, you know, Alvin asked me to reach or." I, it would be from you, actually. So you would right. say, hey, would, you know, Chad, I see you're connected to the CEO of Zoom Video. Would you mind making an intro to Eric Yuan? And if you came to me and the AI and you asked me that, I'd say, yeah, sure, no problem. I used to work with Eric when I was at WebEx. And he'd take a meeting. So we automate all that through AI and, and email outreach is the other product
0: interesting because because when i think about that you know i think in terms of if you're selling domains in the area of let's say five thousand dollars or less it may it may or may not serve you well but if you are if you are selling domains five thousand dollars or more and likely is the case because when i think about the time that it takes me to look through let's say if you're you have a portfolio of thousand or more domains. Likely is the case. I mean, it would take me forever and who knows really what the time would be to work through those thousand domains, sending emails, contacting people, and then just trying to stay organized with it all versus Scalex could come in and basically i i guess one i'm feeding it domains but I, I guess i'm also setting uh keywords or some sort of trigger to basically you know kind of give some sort of context around what the d- domain is and who that audience is the target audience and from there you're you're basically able to uh kind of as you said do the 60 to 70 percent of the work in terms of reaching out making um initial connections and really. I'm only basically filling the hopper with more domains, as well as coming back to those who basically say, hey, we're interested and in, in, we're ready to enter into you know, a conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, with Calendly and these calendar tools these days, you can just put a link in your outreach that says, here, schedule time with me. So when I come in every day to work, my calendar is usually booked all the way, cover to cover, And it's not for me making phone calls, right? Uh, When I started three years ago, I was driving 300 dials a day myself using automation. Um, Over time, that becomes less necessary Mm -hmm. because now I have all these other automation tools that can help me get meetings without having to do that. (laughs) Remember, we said humans will generally gravitate towards what's easy and AI (laughs) is a lot easier than, than doing the cold call. That's
0: for sure. Right. Well, and, 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 and that's the thing. I mean, you, you hit on it in terms of leveraging, harnessing the the power of technology. And so without it, there's only so much you're going to do. And the human side of us will burn out. That's not the case with technology. It's just a a matter of it'll be there doing what it does all day, but then it's the human side of it. Do you have the ability to keep up with it?
1: Yep, that's right. I mean, it does, it, it, it's wild. There's there's a tipping point. I, I talked to a guy recently with a company called Weka.io and he's the CRO and he's helped companies go public, get acquired, made a lot of people, a lot of money. And he tells it how it is. And he came <laughs> into this call the other day and it was a sales call, right? And he said, Chad, he, he, he likes to drop F-bombs from time to time. So he's just dropping F-bombs. He's like, you know, here's how it is. He goes, we have, uh, I want to say, 11 quota-carrying salespeople and 40 technical solution engineers. And then then a bunch of SDRs. And he said, look, I want to have fewer quota-carrying reps with a higher quota whose calendars are packed all day long. It's better to do that than go hire a team of 50 or 100 sellers. Right. Why not have better people at the tip of the spear and everyone else's job is to this, this is, exact, you know, we have a friend of the family who's in the Marines and he just came over a few days ago and he said, you know, there's only 11 percent of the Marines are infantrymen. And he was pretty proud of that. He's infantry. <laughs> right. And he said, oh, yeah, all these other people are logistics and this and that and the other. And there's only 11 percent of us. And and that's how I look at the sales of the future. Is that you're either one of the eleven percent or you're back up to the eleven percent. And a lot of companies do it wrong. They go hire one hundred percent infantrymen, and it's like no, you've got to have the person who has the ability to wear the Iron Man suit because not everyone can wear the Iron Man suit.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's I mean I just hearing you say that it makes me think about sales organizations or or just organizations in general that have sales teams or a sales function of you know it, it's almost I, I equate it to to gambling or or playing the lottery to a certain extent because you know you people uh will will often say, hey, you know I can sell, I can do this, I can do that and I'm like, yeah well here here's where here's where the uh, the rubber meets the road is actually can you do it? can you deliver? and so it's almost a bit of playing numbers to a certain extent when you start going out just hiring large you know sales organizations um yeah, or or yeah. or people within the sales organization i look at it and go well you're willing to make an investment for how many months um before you expect a return um and so that that's very uh, that that just it's a vivid uh, illustration for me of just seeing folks you know ah, i'll put 6 on this i'll put 7 on this i'll put I mean, the
1: military knows, right? They've invested right. countless decades in figuring this stuff out. Yeah. So the fact that, that Andrew knows it's 11%, I remember Ken Krogh at insidesales.com. He was a military strategist. And so then he's co-president of insidesales.com. And he was very much about role specialization. And, you know, now it all comes back. Ah, got it. That's why there's role specialization, you know? You can get far more efficient. So, and then my brother-in-law calls and he's with Cisco. And he said, he said, Chad, I want some advice. You know, what do I do? And they're geography focused. And he goes, yeah, some guys get 20 leads a week. Others get two. I was like, that's, that's, it's set up to fail. I right. mean, and, unless you say, all right, I'm going to put my C player in the two lead a week to start. And then they need to show that they can close a higher percent and then we'll get them into the heavy seat. That's okay, but it's, it's not efficient. I'd rather have a team of 10 instead of 30 people that are amazing closers and just feed them the same number of meetings, all of them every day. Um, so there's just models that have been put in place for decades. And it's very, very hard for companies that are like that to get out of their own way and revisit.
0: But ScaleX is likely upending companies like that, that operate like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And COVID helped upend, to be honest. There's so many companies who've been doing it a certain way, and they're just looking in the mirror going, wait a second, we got to refigure this? And so my CRO called it really well the other day. He said, pipeline before people. Like mm. if you're hiring people back, okay, hold on, let's slow play this. We don't know, you know, this UK stuff might come out with you know a new strain and right, who knows what's going to happen. So why go hire your team of all these people back if you could hire Iron Man wearing people on our side of the fence and then over deliver and then decide if you want to bring in the Iron Man suit and suit up your sales team with it.
0: And so you believe that it that it's forever transfigured, then just how sales operates
1: yeah yeah i i really i mean just look at zoom stock price look oh, at yeah. ring central stock price <laughs>
0: uh
1: you know i just invested in another company called ViewStub that does remote uh physical and virtual combined events or all virtual whatever you want to do <laughs> and they don't charge you for the software they only charge you on the back end of ticket sales so all these new companies that are doing remote Virtual, it's not going to go away. I mean, wow. physical conferences—they'll come back someday, but they'll have twice as many people viewing from remote than they did in the past.
0: Yeah, and and that's an interesting point because uh, you know, like you said, in-person or physical conferences will come back, but I also believe that there is a bit of a, of a hybrid approach that really now is kind of that 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 underpinning that foundation now of. I don't know that conferences really get the option anymore of totally dismissing online. It's kind of like you're going to have a hybrid situation, looks like from this day forward.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I attended one recently where we were physical and there was twice as many people virtual. Mm. And when I met with some of those people after this big meeting, it was a four day thing in, in Sarasota, Florida. And then I, I did one on ones with people. And I could have sworn I met this guy live. And he goes, no, I was in Canada. I was on the video. I'm like, what? That's so confusing. I thought you were there. (laughs) And that's how it is. You want it to feel like they're there, but they're really not.
0: Exactly. So then wrapping up, what would be your advice to someone that's starting their journey uh, into sales And, you know, wanting to try to get a a good place, a good jump in terms of where to start, like, where should they begin?
1: Well, first read books that my favorite book of all time is The Greatest Salesman in the World. And it's the 10 scrolls that are passed down from this one guy to the next guy. Right. Yeah. And if you read those, I will treat each day as if it were my last. There's all these lessons in there. There's a, and then there's a series, the richest man in Babylon tells you how to save money, put it to work. Like it's such, and you can read this in 45 minutes, the entire book.
0: So, yeah, yeah, it's a quick and easy read. Um, because I have three out of the series, but yeah, one of the actually one of the the prominent domain investors, Rick Schwartz, that's one of the books that, that he swears by it, and so he he says it's every domain investor, domain broker, or any person in sales, and he spent a good thirty or more years uh, doing sales, and that was one of the things that he certainly brings out is uh, is his book.
1: Well, it's funny. I was on the podcast. The guy who put out the greatest salesman in the world podcast now, he owns the rights to the movie. Oh, nice. And I'm looking at it going, man, I'd love to get some of the people that I know that are the best sellers in the world to play characters in that movie, even though they're not necessarily actors. Right. (laughs) I would love to have at (laughs) least some uh, cameos, you know, show up in that. But yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And then check out salesclass.ai. It's free. If you're not getting value out of it, you know, don't log back in, but it's, I think you'll find some tremendous value. It's right. like Vengresso is on there, Sandler sales training, all of their training videos are on there. Oh, nice. You know, it's, it's pretty wild that we're able to pull that off and bring some of the best of the best content. Now looking
0: through my notes, I also see sales advisor. Is that the, is that something different? Salesadvisor.ai or... Salesadvice.ai. Sales advice. Sales um, advice. Yeah,
1: that's a that's another domain. So here's something for you guys that are doing domain sales. Check this out. You could go to companies with this idea, and I'm sure nobody else has done this. So there's there's third party companies that you can go to like technology advice, software advice, and they're G two Crowd, right? They're third parties that show here's all the competitors in the space, or you can create your own third-party site. Hmm. So sales advice has five of my competitors listed, but I own it. I own the traffic. I own the AdWords. If someone fills out the form, it goes to my team. Now we do share information about our competitors, but it's how I want to share the information. It's not how a third-party website would share the information. Ah, So you could go to a company and say, you know, whatever it is, aerospaceadvice.com or .ai.com, whatever you want to build, you know, and go help them build that site even, you know, hey, we'll help you source the name of the site and then we'll help you launch it and then list the competitors.
0: And that becomes a lead magnet for those sites. Gotcha. Now, how many... Uh domains do you have cuz uh, counting through this it was like salesclass.ai, sales, about, sales advice. I've got at
1: least 30 maybe more chadburmeister.com haroldshilling.com shillings.com burmeisters.com I mean you want to you want to own your personal stuff as well as your company uh domains and yeah so i, I my fun, funniest one was Trista and Ryan.com. You remember the first <laughs> Bachelor? <laughs> wait, how did you? So how did you get it? Well, my sister actually had a crush on Ryan when we were on a cruise ship when they were, you know, my sister 12 years younger than me. And then when I saw him come on the show, I was like, wait, Lindsay, that was the guy you had a crush on. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so, you know, he's down to the top three candidates on the show. And I'm like, you know what? He's going to get picked. And it's not going to be Ryan and Trista.com. She's the one that's in the front of the (laughs) this. So I bought Trista and Ryan.com and that I pointed it at one of my business sites at the time and it took it down uh, because it had so much traffic that next day. So,
0: wow. Wow. And whatever happened to the, to the name, you know, I, I must've
1: put it back in the pool. I tried to give it over to them because you know, I, I, I hung out with, with Ryan on that cruise a little bit. Um wow, if I go to it right now, it's just uh sitting there. So maybe someone could buy it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, no one no one no listeners. I know people have probably already hit pause and they're over there pecking <laughs> away at the keyboard. That, uh have a GoDaddy page here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, last but not least, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners how they may get in contact with you or just you know, how to, how to get involved in terms of, uh, ScaleX?
1: Yeah, for sure. There can certainly reach out to me directly, chat at scalex.ai and, you know, check out the website. We've got some pretty cool videos and client testimonials and, and, um, you know, lots and lots of companies are, are trying us out and once they try it, it's very hard to put down. So it's like a 110%
0: renewal rate, which is kind of nice. That is awesome. Well, Chad, with that, we're out of time. So, thank you again for joining us today, and you know, sharing your entrepreneurial and sales experience. Alvin, thanks for having me. Great, to, great to catch up. Certainly, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit KickstartCommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks, and that's all for now.